welcome to Until We Arise podcast. Today's episode is entitled, Love is Looking More Like Jesus with Kayla Esslinger. Hello and welcome to Until We Arise. My name is Rachel and I'm the founder and CEO of Until We Arise. Our mission is to bridge a divided people to loving community, empowering resources, and a compassionate Christ. Hi, I am Vero, and our mission is to build a thriving global community of women who combat injustice and oppression with love and compassion. And I am the co-founder and CFO of Until We Arise. So awesome. And today we have an amazing, amazing episode for you. You're not going to want to miss it. Stay tuned in. Listen to the whole thing because I am so honored to have our guest here today. She is just phenomenal on so many levels. She is a wife, a homeschooling mom. She has four babies, four. And when you look at her, you wouldn't even believe it because she is just, a, she's just gorgeous. She's like, the other day I saw her a few, a few months ago at um, conference and she was like, just slain from head to toe, like her high heels. And I was like, what the heck? And then she still has like a baby. I'm like, what the heck? How is she doing this? That's <laughs> hashtag goals right there. Um, but on uh, top of all that, she's also a luxury wedding photographer. And when I say luxury, like when you watch her Instagram, it looks like money. I'm not going to lie. It's like, <laughs> whoa. And I know that she has a heart of gold. She has been such a blessing. So I am blessed to like know her personally, to have done ministry with her and her husband. And so I'm super honored. I don't know if you want to say a couple words about her before I introduce this woman I got. <laughs> yeah, I'll um I'll second both of those comments. Um, her wedding photography is incredible. I'll say Val and I when we're looking for a wedding photographer, I considered her for a second and I was like, yeah, we probably can't afford her. Yeah, because there's because there's also like traveling cost for our wedding. So I was like, we need to find someone local. And then I love our wedding pictures, but I like her style. So I'll say that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but also, yeah, also served with um, her and her husband. And it was just a blessing. And they were always just so loving and so gracious um, to me and just anybody on the staff and or on the on the team. And so it's it was an honor to serve with them for sure. Yeah. And so without further ado, I would love to invite the woman whose name goes before her because she is that cool, Kayla Esslinger. Yes! Hello. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited for this. And I'm pumped. Uh, so let's jump in right to the questions. Yes? Mm-hmm. Um, so with all that, it's funny though, actually, before I jump into this question, the reality is that people would probably look at you and what you do for a living, aside from having like a wonderful husband and beautiful four boys, boy mom, hashtag boy mom up in here. Um, she takes pictures of people's love like all day. Like that's every day. She takes wedding photos. And so some might say she's a love doctor. She's like, cause you have to capture, like you must be a pro. So you have looked at love and how people in the world defines it. You get to get an inside look at different couples and how they've met. I'm sure you hear their stories and all of that. Um, before I go into the question, can you tell us like one of your fun stories? What is like maybe one of your favorite couples that you photographed or like something that surprised you when you've been um, photographing couples and things like that? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, gosh, I feel like every wedding and every couple has something so unique, but um, my favorite couple was one that I think they found me on like Instagram, but they were so sweet. They just like loved Jesus so mm -hmm. much and they were so genuine about it. And um, they just like, I don't know. I, I don't have, I haven't always had a lot of couples like that. I'm not going to say I don't because I would love to have couples like that. They were just so sweet. And so it was really precious to walk with them through the process of, you know, from getting engaged to their wedding day and just see them honor the Lord. And then when they went to their actual wedding, like it was their first kiss and their entire, everybody was just like so touched by it. And it really like, it really spoke to a lot of people, like a lot of people that they knew weren't believers. And so it was really cool to just watch the process and how God was honored through it all. Oh, and it was really cool too, because it was a cloudy day. And we had all been praying for sunshine and for the sun to come out and they weren't doing a first look, but they were going to like pray together without seeing each other. And um, so again, cloudy, stormy, like ugly skies. And they came together, they held hands and they started to pray. And the sun literally came out like as they were praying. And so even their planner who was with me was like, oh my gosh the sun's coming out. Like she doesn't even like know the Lord. And then, and then the groom goes, yeah, that's the love of God. And you know what? He loves you too. <laughs> Just so oh my God. I got chills, Kayla. I got chills. This was a really precious day. Can I, um, can I say, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it whether you like it or not. Do you know that that is Veto's story as well? Not with the mm -hmm. sun coming out, but her and her husband also waited and I was able to witness it. I was like, get out of the photo, Rachel, get out of the photo because <laughs> it really is a testament when people wait to have their first mm -hmm. kiss on their wedding day. It's just, it's different. Yeah, it is. It I really was like, is. I had to make sure as the officiant, I was like, she was like, Rachel, don't be all up in all my pictures. <laughs> so I was like, you may kiss the bride. <laughs> she like jumped over the cliff. <laughs> I almost jumped off the cliff for real. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Just like sending her videos up to the wedding of like awkward, efficient in the background, like pictures. And there's some, they're like, I was like, so if this is you in my picture, it's just like, I get it. Stop sending me these videos. <laughs> that is so good no it's so true I always think I mean half the time they move half the time they stay but I always feel like you're this close to them kissing like just yeah oh. <laughs> I don't know it's just weird to me you not feel awkward watching them kiss right <laughs> right that's how I feel how is it how, what's going on in there <laughs> right like yeah yeah awkward <laughs> anyway so that did not happen. I was a good efficient. I backed up. Good job. Um, that's funny. Yeah. So people, I, I always think about this because I don't really, I've never been the girl to fantasize about my wedding. Honestly, I don't have a, a Pinterest board and it's not because I don't want it, but I think that I'm the girl that thinks about the marriage often, like what God would have for me. And it's interesting. I don't know if that's something that God deposited in my heart. Like I don't have my wedding dress designed. I don't have like, those are the thoughts that I don't, I don't know why they don't consume me. I tried to fake it once and put like a whole board together and try to pretend that that was something I was into. And I found yeah. no satisfaction. Um, <laughs> but I think that <laughs> I know I'm ridiculous. This is my life. Um, 
one of the things though, I do think it's a little bit of God guarding my heart and always giving me the redirection of what love is really about because marriage, covenant, love, all that is something different. And a lot of times we can get caught up in that perfect moment, right? Like the kiss, the the time that he sees me for the first time and then he's like tearing up. And if he doesn't cry, you're disappointed. And I'm sure you capture all, like the guy on TV cried. How come you didn't cry? Like, you know, all the things that can happen. Um, but having this real exposure, Kayla, to like these two worlds, right? Of like, you know, love firsthand because you're experiencing it what it really is on so many levels, but then also this other appearance on the outside of what people think that it is. Now it's beautiful. I'm not like, you know, but it's not fully capturing. It's a day. So you have an, a, a unique insight. Um, so what is love for you? When you think love is, how would you define that? I think it's just such an interesting question because I really grew up <clears throat> not believing that love was real and like not believing that like you could love someone that you could stay in love with someone. I didn't want to get married. Um, I just wanted to like adopt a bunch of kids and not be married because I thought that would be easier than trying to have someone love me for my whole life. Um, wow. And so that's really just shifted to know that there's just multiple different ways. That, and I mean, people would all define love so differently, but the reality of love is that it's patient. It's kind. It's not rude. It doesn't seek its own. And when you have a love that's unconditional like that, that's willing to go beyond the border and the barrier of what can you do for me and what can I receive from this, but to what can I do for you? I just really believe that that's when you really are showing love. That's what love really is. It's not about yourself. It's about a choice of the way you choose to be around someone or the, the way you choose to relate to somebody else. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. You still there? Yes. yes. Still there. Okay. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And it's actually like something that I've been like discovering and, and also trying to better understand just because we always assume that it's about romance, right? Like about your, your partner, your husband and God has been showing me so much lately that it's so much more than that. It's like the way we express love goes beyond just that relationship because otherwise people like me who have been waiting for so long for a marriage, it's like, oh, well, I don't experience love until I don't experience the benefits of love. I don't experience the privilege of giving love and all of that until I'm married. That makes no sense, you know? And yeah. um, it's, it's so much more rich. And I think for me being at a place where I'm like, okay, how do I, love so unselfishly to people that I'm called to love without losing myself. Do you know what I mean? Without feeling like I'm going to be run over and, 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 you know, forgotten in a sense, you know, because sometimes that's what it can feel like when we do things in our own strength, you know, and we were trying to force stuff out there. It's, it's like, who's going to take care of me if I love so much, is it ever going to come back? You know? Totally. Um, I don't know. I think so that's, I know. no, I think that's so true. And I think it's this interesting, like constant balance because the reality of relationships is that there's always going to be, you're two imperfect people, regardless of if it's a marriage or a friendship or whatever it is, business relationship, there's two imperfect people. So I really believe that love is an invitation to look more like Jesus in the midst of that relationship where when 
Jesus like was going to give his life. And to people who were betraying him, he decided to get down on his knees and wash his disciples' feet. And like, that's a love that blows my mind. He washed the feet of the person who was going to kiss him the next day and sell him for 30, 30 shekels of silver or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he chose to wash his feet. And it doesn't make sense, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting balance dance thing of like learning what love looks like in a real world where people are people and they're not perfect. Yeah. You know, it's, it's powerful too, because like a few years ago, um, we had this retreat and Veto and I were intentional and I think my mom helped actually, we had a, a foot washing thing at our retreat and none of the girls knew that this was going to happen but we gave them like a bucket each of them had their own bucket with their own like like salt things and like and we went through and washed and kind of like put oil on and massaged each of their feet and I was um I I think having been churched I was like, oh, this is a beautiful thing to do. And I felt like the Lord was leading me to do it. But I hadn't really comprehended what that experience was going to be like. And I think it was really shocking. Like, Veto can probably attest to this. Like, how many women weeped at us even touching their feet? Mm-hmm. They weeped as we washed their feet. And I was like, why are they crying? Like, I don't think it had settled the magnitude of what we were doing in that moment. Like, and I think that's how our acts of love can be, right? Like, it it may be like, I don't see why this works. I don't, I don't see what, the, okay, God, I'll, I'll send the thank you note. I'll give the hug. I'll give them a high, like whatever this is, I'll, I'll hold my tongue this time around, but we don't know what it, how it'll be received and what God will do with it when it's obedience unto him. Right. Yeah. How was that for you, Veronica? Like, maybe you can share a little. Yeah. Or, um, that specific situation you're saying? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, I guess like to tie it all together. um, I remember that. And like you said, so many women were like, not just crying. So many of them were like, no, 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 don't touch, you know, don't, don't wash my feet. And it reminded me of Peter, right? Who's like, no. Um, And I think it like just also shows um, the love they have for us of like, kind of like how Peter's like, I'm supposed to be washing your feet. Right. But I think um, something you said, um, Kayla, that my husband mentions when we like discuss relationships and conflict and stuff. And, you know, um, we talk about like someone in the relationship has to be Jesus, right? Like not that like we're Jesus, but reflects Jesus. And it's very humbling. Like Jesus humbled himself many times. And there's many times that if you read in the word, you're like, God, you had every right to get upset. You had every right to like flip out on these people. And yet like you didn't just choose the higher road. You chose to love them through it. You chose to express that love to them, whether it was through forgiveness, whether it was through mercy, whether it was, you know, stopping and being there. And I think that um, not just being married, but in friendships, you know, with Rachel and I, even like having those moments where like we slow down for each other, you know, and, um, we were like, wait, like, or even sometimes like that's, you know, that upset me, but let's talk about it. It's not just, I'm mad at you and forget it, but I want to like work this out with you. And so even extending that kind of grace that like God extends to us, you know, extending that love. And so being, having the character of Jesus in those moments in relationships. And I think like you mentioned, 
many times the way the world sees it is what can I receive? What can I get out of this relationship? But really the Lord shows us that it's more so what, how can I love this person? What can I give in this relationship? And I think that's something that we're not accustomed to thinking of all the time. Yeah. It's very backwards. Mm -hmm. It's very backwards culture, you know, and I love it. So Kayla, um, you saying, I love how you said it. it's like it's quoting, quoting right from the book of Corinthians, right? It's like right from, from Paul's letters. Um, but love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. Love isn't rude. You know, those things. Um, this is how we define it because that's who we are as Christians. Right. And I believe we can choose to walk in it or not, but you yeah. have chosen that. And I know it's like a journey to commit to that and actually say it and live it. Have you ever experienced a time in your life where that definition of love was either challenged or, or it was, it was particularly hard to walk in? Yeah. Yeah. I would say, um, so growing up again, I didn't really, didn't, did definitely did not have that definition of love. Love was kind of like an idea that I didn't really understand. And, um, like I would be like the girl who would relate to all of those movies where like they don't end up together. Like those were all my favorite movies, which my husband like hates. And he hates those <laughs> movies. But anyway, um, when I was like 16, I had kind of grown up in church and um, I had just felt left by so many people, like left behind by so many people, whether it was church leaders or friends. Um, and when I was 16, something happened. Some decisions were made at church that just really deeply hurt me. And so I was like, I'm done here. I'm going to walk away. Like, and I remember having this conversation with the Lord saying, I'm not going to talk to you. Please don't talk to me. Like we're not in a relationship. And so I went off and just did my own thing. And, and it started like somewhat innocently at first. And it just escalated into relationship after relationship, partying, drinking, drugs, all of the things. And I was looking for love because I couldn't find anyone that was satisfying that need. Um, and so I ended up in this relationship where um, it was just really, really rough. And I thought I loved him or some form of he made me happy. I think that might've been what my definition of love was then is like, can you make me happy? <laughs> Which is not always the easiest thing to do, I guess. And, um, and so when that relationship ended, I was spiraling. It got to the point where I was about 19 and um, I was so empty after searching for really love over all of those years. And I was on my apartment floor and I was just crying. Like whenever my roommates were at home, I was just empty. That feeling of like, I'm so unsatisfied, like nothing in this world can like fill that need that I have. And, um, I remember being on my apartment floor and I was like, okay, this is, there's just no other choice. Like I have to go back to church. I have to give it a shot and see if that's going to work. So I called my mom, we went to church and, um, no one had invited me. I just like happened to live near the church that we go to now. And I walked in and I'll never forget the feeling that I had when I walk in. And it was like, I, I guess worship must have already been on, but I just felt like I was at home. And there was just something about the atmosphere that I knew was so pure and was so different from anything that I had found in the world. Um, it was obviously so different than the clubs and the just trying to get attention and and somehow, even after all of those mistakes and all of those years, I, I knew that I was accepted there, like not just by the people, but by the Lord. And um, for the next few years, I would tell everybody like, yeah, and the message was about forgiveness. Like, how did God do that? And then I went back and I listened to the podcast and like, it was totally not about forgiveness, but the Lord was speaking to my heart. 
<laughs> thank God for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and, um, and it was really what I was needing because I was wondering, like, would the Lord still love me after all of this? Like, would he still like, I knew what I was doing and I knew what I was doing was wrong. Like, would he still let me come back home? And I found out that the answer was yes. And I think that was my first experience in really knowing what love was. Yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful. Um, one of the things that I think is really hard is having experienced church hurt. We sometimes put that as if like God hurt us. And like being able to identify that difference was really hard for me. Um, did you ever find a place where that was actually, how, or how did you like get out of that? Where you, was it just walking into the church and realizing what you had experienced before wasn't that? Or how did you get through that? That's a good question. It took a lot. I feel like it took, I don't, I, I don't know how much time, but it definitely took time to really unpack all that had happened and all of the decisions. Um, and the crazy thing is like there, the next few years after I was married, like there was multiple people who left, like literally left the state, including my own family. Like, and so I was constantly feeling like my heart was getting ripped out and realizing that like, I was not okay, not only because of this situation, but because of that stuff that had happened. And so I kind of had to go back and like really walk through forgiveness and healing with the Lord. And to, um, I never really learned what it looked like to believe the best about someone. Um, I just grew up believing the worst or just taking like what could be the worst intention. That's probably what they were doing. And, um, oh, they're probably being manipulative. They were probably doing this. And like, thank God that I married a man who's the opposite of that and never thinks a bad thought about anybody because he's really taught me how to not think that way. And so, um, so I really like carried that back into those, into those like memories and those hurts to go, okay, now with like, I'm a little bit older and I can actually think maturely about this when I was 16, this situation and go, okay, those people were genuinely just people and they weren't trying to hurt me or they weren't doing something intentionally. That's just what happens, you know, and having been a youth pastor, having been in ministry now for 10 years, I feel like I'm, I'm sure that there's many people that have experienced that same thing from me. And I know for a fact that I never intentionally was like, Hmm, I'm going to not care about this person today, you know? And so just being mm -hmm. able to take that maturity and go, okay, I can extend that same grace to those people is really what helped me through those situations. But it was some deep healing that I had to walk through with that with a lot of things. Thank God. That oh, he no. That's, that's so beautiful and so powerful. Cause I think it like, you, you did a beautiful job of, of like walking through how it was for me as well. Like, you know, finding those places of healing. And it's funny because we often think we need one thing. We need them to apologize. We need them to come back and say, oh yeah. And, or, or even like, wait till they see how good I am and they're going to realize how wrong they were. And when we are <laughs> being on, on this healing journey and we actually submit ourselves unto the Lord and we say, I want you more than anything because I'm so desperate for you. I love how you said like that unsatisfied feeling. Like we think that like getting revenge or getting that thing, it will fill that or getting a guy or getting like this other thing will fill it. And it's a place that only God can fill. I love how you said that. Um, and one other thing you said that really stuck out to me is it felt like home and it felt pure. 
And I don't think that we allow ourselves to experience love like that because we have never known it. And I, I think it made me emotional hearing you talk like that. It's so simple, but it made me emotional because I had this like epiphany a few years back because I love going to Texas to hang out with my brother. And I hang out with my brother and my sister-in-law and his three girls. And the craziest thing is like when I'm there, everything else stops. Like I have to be present with them. Like I'm on auntie duty, tia duty, right? And so I'm like there and I'm like, this is my life now. And I remember the reality of like, it didn't matter if I had gained weight or lost weight. It didn't matter if I had money or if I was broke. It didn't matter if I had a cute outfit on or if I had not shaved my legs and I was wearing ugly sweatpants for a week. Like with them, I was the best. I was their Thea. And when Thea got here, it was going to be okay. I was accepted. I, I could just be me fully. And I visit people and I feel that like there's that, but it's not like when I'm there. Like I'm awesome just because I'm Auntie Rachel. Like I, it doesn't matter about anything else. And that, that changed me because it reminded me of the moment to know like, oh, like you don't have to earn this, Rachel. Like, and, and it breaks my heart because that's how it should be in the presence of God. That's how it should be in healthy marriage. That's how it should be in healthy relationship with friends. But so many of us have lacked that encounter. We don't have that experience that we miss that. And, and even like, even having experienced it when it doesn't happen in every area of your life, it challenges your identity. It challenges your value. Like, uh, I don't know how, bless you. I don't know how to put that in, you know, and um, I'm grateful that even if I didn't have, I don't have that in a marriage per se, but like I have that in one area and like maybe in friendships, I remember longing for friendship that was healthy, that would stand by me, that wouldn't leave. Cause I, I'm kind of, I was, I wasn't cynical like you, Kayla, I would say that was cynical, but kind of, I was, cause I was like, that's good for other people. That'll happen. That's great for them, but that's not going to happen for me. You know, that's great for those people. And I Veto has seen me cry over the different things. I'm like, well, if God has just chosen me to live this life and help everybody else find their purpose, that's great. I'll just be here. Use me up, Lord. I'll just sit here and watch everybody else celebrate. Do you know? And um, the Lord's always like, yeah, it's not like that. Get it together. Come on. But I think it comes back to having, at least I've experienced it. I know what that love is. Yeah. And a lot of people haven't. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's yeah. No, that's huge. Uh-huh. Right? And I think being able to, the thing is, like you said, being able to have that with the Lord, because that should be like the, the template for anything else. And so it's like, I remember when I think I was opposite of you guys. I was what they call a hopeless romantic. Um, I love all the movies where like they end up together. Even now I like know the, I know the plot all the way from like the starts and I'm like, oh, those, that's it. I already know. But I like, I still love it, you know? And I think part of it is, but it's, it's just funny, um, not funny, but interesting how 
two people can go through similar experience, have similar situations and have different like outcomes out of it. Right. And it's like, I had a lot of abandonment issues growing up, a lot of rejection. Um, and so I was just like longing for the person who would not leave, mm-hmm. you know? And I remember one day, I think I had already done OSL like multiple times, a couple of levels already. Um, it was, it was actually in Waimas, um, and I was listening to the Reckless Love song. And my dad um, wasn't in the picture growing up. And um, and it was just like, you know, Mexico and us in the U.S. And it just felt like he let distance get in the way. And then in my first marriage, my husband left after issues that we had and um, feeling like he let the hardship of, of day-to-day life and marriage, you know, drive him away and not fight. And I just felt like no one ever fights for me. Mm-hmm. I remember having that feeling, but want like, you know, God, who will? And I remember he was, as I was listening to that song, the Lord's like, I've done that for you. Mm-hmm. Like, I know who you are. I know what you've done. I know the worst of you. And yet I will fight for you to the end. Like I have broken down every barrier. I have pulled down every lie, you know, like the little song says, and I remember I just wept. And so even in these, like, in these past three years, I've had like some very intense, like moments of like talking to my dad for the very first time. Um, and it not going the way I had imagined since I was eight, you know, that like beautiful reunion, but being more so of like, Oh, you're still broken over your decisions. And I remember the Lord just showing me like, I am the only one who will ever love you perfectly. Like people cannot be everything you want them or need them to be. And I remember it just became such a releasing thing for me of like letting people be where they are and being okay, but knowing the the love of, of my heavenly father and that being like that, like you talked about that pure love, you know, feeling home. And so I remember when, when my husband and I started dating, I just remember like I, I constantly would think like the way he loves me reminds me of the way God loves mm. me and not just like he buys me gifts like you know but like in the hard times when like I you know I was being mean or I was being insecure or dealing with struggles and instead of him shaming me it was like he would come and cover me and love on me and walk me through things and it was it was just so healthy I didn't know what to do with it at first like I was like okay I don't know about this <laughs> You know, but, and it's just beautiful how the Lord like wants to set that example for us. Like he wants to show us this is what like pure love looks like. This is what like a healthy relationship looks like so that we can like identify it with other relationships. And, you know, cause the world will tell us like, oh, this is toxic and this isn't and whatnot. But when we reflect back on the Lord, like, he really shows us what love is and shouldn't should be and shouldn't be. That's so good. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about it because Kayla, if anybody follows you online, right? Like I know a little bit because I follow you, follow you online. And so i also know you. So I know a little bit and like, it's not always been rainbows and butterflies. Although rainbows, come after the rain and butterflies come after a very hard time in a cocoon. So, ah, rainbows and butterflies. Have you thought about that? Okay. Anyway, (laughs) 
life is not always rainbows and butterflies, but it does appear that way. Like, right. If I followed you online, I like, like every picture is gorgeous, right? Like, cause you're going to have the aesthetic. Um, you have four beautiful boys. You have a thriving business. You have everything that seems like people would want, you know, like you're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. And you're cute. So I'm like, all of it. And then she didn't even gain any weight after her pregnancy. Before, and she still like wears little pants. And I don't understand. Um, but nevertheless, like I know we had talked a little bit as much as that is like picture perfect, beautiful on all these things. Like, man, like there's still like, would you say like there's still are moments where like, all of that isn't enough if you're not careful. Like, I don't know, how has that been for you? Like, because that, I know you talked to me a little bit about that dynamic of like being almost like a distraction or how would you describe that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think first of all, it's just so, so huge. I feel like that, yeah, Instagram's like a highlight reel. And so, you know, I think uh, our friend Brian Barcelona would always say, I'm not posting a picture like, hey, this is me and my wife fighting. <laughs> and I just always loved that he would say that because it's true. It just, you know, you post the things that are encouraging, inspiring, and and it's something you aspire to. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, over these past, so I got married eight years ago and we got pregnant three months later. Um, four about when I was about four months pregnant or a little bit less, we became youth pastors with a like one week transition and we were in and um, it was just a wild ride. We had a really rough start to our marriage. Um, and so, you know, I'm coming from 10 years ago, walking into the church and the Lord changed my life. And then into this like tumbleweed of change in my life, which I was never great with either because I loved my security of having everything under control and knowing what I could expect. Um, and that was all just like uprooted from my life. And so, um, anyway, we just, over these years of like having a bunch of kids, you know, with my third, we were in the hospital for five weeks because my water broke when I was 26 weeks. And then we, my baby was in the hospital for three weeks in the NICU and just like all of these life experiences start to just pile on. And, you know, even in the hospital, like I was fighting for my baby. I was like praying, had worship music on. That was like the only thing that would kind of get me through, but life happens. And then just over time, I didn't realize that I really switched my focus over from you know, being loved by the Lord and loving him to, um, building this life and figuring out what it looks like. And that really became my focus. So I was like, actually never use this word. So it's weird that I'm going to say, I was like hustling on my business and I was like, just pushing. And, um, you know, I would always tell people like, Oh, the Lord's blessing it, which he did. And I don't even know why, because half the time I was just making the decisions and not even asking him. Um, but he really blessed my business. And then as he blessed it, it really became like a distraction from him because I could turn to my business and say like that it provided for me. And I could turn to my business and say that it gave me value because all of these people, you know, look at my business or look at me or whatever. And, um, really, I feel like I got my fulfillment and my purpose from it. And so really my focus just swung from being in love with Jesus and he saved my life to like, all right, now how do I do day-to-day -day life? And those two didn't come together. And so, um, I was telling Rachel's story earlier, but I had 
last year, Luke had got me tickets for Mother's Day to a Michael Bublé concert. If I'm being honest, I kind of had like a check in my heart about buying the tickets. They were kind of expensive and it wasn't because they're expensive. I just kind of like, you know, when you just kind of feel like mm, probably shouldn't do that, but I ignored it. And um, I was like, yay, I love it. So then a few months later, Luke comes home. He's like, babe, I turned on. I felt like the Lord told me to turn on this message and I turned it on. And the first thing that the, the pastor said was, if you're a pastor, come out to this pastor's conference. It's going to change your life. And he's like, so I feel like the Lord's calling me. I was like, okay, great. Like, what are the dates? And he's like, September 21st. That's the same day as the Michael Bublé concert. And I was like, that wasn't the Lord. That's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so sure enough, I was not necessarily praying about it, but I felt like the Lord was telling me, no, he's going to go and you need to go with him. And, um, I didn't have any desire to go, but I was just trying to listen. I felt like the Lord was very clear with me on this one. Whereas the first one was kind of like a check. This one was like, no, you need to do this. And so I went to this conference and, um, we were basically just in the presence of God for two days. And it was so much worship time with people who just know Jesus and love him like he's all they've got. And um, just hearing this, even hearing about, you know, life is not supposed to just look like you do your thing and he blesses it. Life is that you take up your cross every day. Like you're done. Like you died. He lives now through you. And so just learning all of that, which I know we lit, we hear and I hear at church, but there was just something about the presence of God there that just changed everything for me because I knew he was there and I knew everyone around me could feel it, but I wasn't feeling him. And not that feeling him is everything, but I, I didn't. And I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, how did this happen? How did I go from 10 years ago? You literally pulled me out of hell. And now today I'm like so apathetic that I don't even understand. And so, um, that really started a journey for me that just shifted everything. And I, um, from like, as soon as we got home, I was like, I read the entire book of Isaiah on our plane ride home. I like could not get out of the word because I, <laughs> you said books earlier, but you didn't say Isaiah. That's a long book. <laughs> yeah. And then I didn't fully understand it. So I got a study Bible so I could read it again so they could actually fully understand it. <laughs> um, but I just really launched into, I, I realized, because <laughs> I was sharing this story with someone early on, I started to read the Bible for what he likes and what he doesn't like and what he mm. wants to be around and what draws him near so that I could understand what he, who he is and why does his presence rest with certain people and why is there sensitivity to it in certain places? And, um, and then my friend who I was telling that to was like, what did you used to read the Bible for? I was like, I don't know, like promises, like what's God going to do for me? What's he saying to mm. me? And it was so me focused. And mm -hmm. that's why it dried up for me because like, uh, that's not enough to satisfy. Like when it's about him, then it satisfies. And so anyway, it just really flung me onto this journey of knowing him and loving him and not just coming to him for what I need, but coming to him to minister to him, coming to him to love him. And so um, yeah, it changed my entire life and I know I'll never be the same. So did that answer your question? I don't even remember what question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I just, I'm taken aback because I think it was funny. Veto posted on her story 
and I was meditating. I wanted to make sure I was getting this right, but I was like, okay, Lord, I think I was reading James and I was like trying to go back and find it, but I didn't want to look too distracted because I'm like totally focused here. Um, and I'm like, did it transition? Because I was listening to the word this morning and it was talking about, it kind of goes into what our message was last week as well. It was like, our message last week was about being grounded, right? And how sometimes God will take you the hard way on purpose because he's building us into something, right? Mm -hmm. And I started to think about you, like he didn't, he was guiding you into not buying those buble tickets, right? <laughs> but you still, he's like, okay, like you could do it. But it was almost like you needed to buy them so that you could give them up, right? Because there's a there's a requirement of like that death that he needs from us. When you said carry your cross, it's like, oh, like it's hard. Like, but we use it so flippantly. Like, you know what I mean? We like, even when you're saying, God just bless my business. And like, you know, he provided and like, it's so true. And it's great that we have that kind of conversation always on our tongue, but in church culture, when we are around it, if we're not intentional about dying to ourselves for real, for real, for real, like it can just be a religion. And I want to say it's in the book of James, but it might've transitioned in, into first Peter. Cause I was listening to audio Bible this morning, but I believe it was in the book of James and you guys can correct me, but he talks about something that like, like it shook me because I always talk about how he says he's going to turn our mourning into dancing and joy. But in this scripture, he's saying, commanding them to turn their joy into mourning. And I was like, what? Because he's telling us to humble ourselves. He's telling us to die. You need to put this. I'm going to walk you through a place so that you can humble yourself and die to these things. Because that's how I'm going to lift you up. Yeah. And so it just shook me a little bit. Like, I was like, wait, I knew that. It's not like something I haven't heard before. But the way it was said, it was like, no, you need to turn your joy into mourning. I mean, you're mourning, yeah, you're joy into mourning, you're whatever into gr grief. And I was like, like, wait, you're asking me to be down. <laughs> you're asking me. And I know it's not an external thing. Like, oh, look at me. I'm mourning. I'm wearing all black. I'm so sad. It was like, humble yourself to the point of like taking away everything. Because the life that we live, whether we're married with children or not, whether we have a business or we're just the only doing momming, homeschooling, you know, or what, we can obsess about any of it and make it make it the thing that we think is going to fulfill us because there's always that temptation as long as we are in this flesh to be fulfilled by our flesh when the Lord is like the only fulfillment that's going to get you is that spirit, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know. I think that's why I was just taken. I was like, whoa how easily we can get, no matter how holy we are, no matter how holy our lifestyles are, what our roles are, if if it was just that, then pastors wouldn't fall. And pastors do. They can be surrounded by the presence of God and the word of God. But if there is like a, a thirst and a hunger in our spirit for something more than God first, then we'll never find it. Like we'll never find that that fulfilling and we'll search for it everywhere else. And I know that some of the journey that I'm on, and I don't like I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, <clears throat> it's been a long one. Like I'm older than both of you. I don't have the children. I've and I I look in my life, and it's not about me. It's about you guys talking. But I just I'm like, Lord, why is my journey so long for this thing? Like you know, like I've always wanted this. You've known that I put you first. 
I have dedicated my life to these things, you know, like to things that were holy and wholesome. And I've tried so hard. And even when my flaws, they were never that bad. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. Like if, if, you, if there was like a list of sins <laughs> on the outside, mine were not that bad. Like I could get a pass. But he's like, there's something, number one, in your heart that was worse than some of the outward sins that people felt. Mm. Right? And not just that. The level of where I'm taking you, the temptation will always be great. And I know he's calling me to level where the temptation is great. Like, and he prepares us. Like, he knew, Kayla, that you would, would have this flourishing business. But the temptation of that to take you away from him fulfilling you would be great. So that's why the power of the power. I'm in LA. I think it was just a car backfiring. But the power of what he put in, I just I couldn't ignore that one. It was loud. It was. It was loud. I hope that was a car backfiring. It's right outside on Vermont. Um, it's either that or Vettel's helicopters. <laughs> Here we are. Um, no, but like that temptation is great, but he establishes something deep and meaningful. And he takes us through those journeys. Like, and even in when we're all distracted, there are things that he's like, no, I, I deposited that so you wouldn't forget. I'm going to give you a husband that's going to remind you of love. I'm going to give you, um, like what both of you said, who look like Jesus. I'm going to show you, I'm going to take you through this so that when you remember what I did for your son, when I, when I, when you remember, like, it's going to carry you and remind you that I'm the only thing that fulfills you. Because when we don't allow ourselves to go through that, that boot camp in a sense, or that purifying and that, that thing that feels like you're taking everything that I ever needed, Lord, like, I don't know how to live. Like, if we don't go through that, then when he takes us to the other things, then we were not ready for it. You know, it's so true. Mm. It's so true. And I, I think something I totally forgot to say, but that goes right along with what you're saying is that when I came back to the Lord 10 years ago, I didn't get baptized because I kind of was like, one, I have curly hair and that's probably the worst reason to do that. But I was like, I don't want to have curly hair when I leave church. Like I go to church, I get dressed up. <laughs> And secondly, because I was like, well, but also I got baptized when I was like 12, right? So I didn't need to do it again. And I kind of like, I I should have done it when I, when I came back to the Lord, but I didn't. But the Lord had been really putting it on my heart in this season, right before the pastor's conference. And it just so happened that the week we left for the pastor's conference, I ended up getting baptized in our friend's pool. And the significance of like it was just the way that the Lord lined it up, but the significance of going under the water with my life, including the past 10 years of like taking things back into my own hands and without realizing it, you know, sometimes you just think you're doing everything the way that you're supposed to. It's not like you're intentionally like, oh, I'm going to run my life. You just, it's so natural if you don't actively fight against it. Like you're saying actively daily die to yourself and mm -hmm. say, no, I'm going to be led by God in every decision that I make. And so that that day I was baptized, went under the water, came back up and then came, went to the conference, felt like I went under the water again and came back up a completely different life. And there's such a significance to why Jesus calls us to this, that it's not just a, it's not just like a act of obedience, but there's a mm -hmm. spiritual power in baptism that 
that you truly are taking this step where you're learning what it looks like to leave your life behind and follow Jesus because you can't take it with you. Just like you can't take it. You know, it's just, we try to live this life like as if we're going to, I'm going to be as happy as I can here. And then I'm going to go to heaven and be happy with Jesus. But the reality is we have to be satisfied in him. And then like, I don't have the timer. So I'm just going to say this really quick. I don't know. I'm kind of watching the time. You're good. You're good. Um, the other day, um, the Lord, this just, I just remembered this, but I was working, it was a couple weekends ago. I was working like two really long wedding days and I hadn't seen my kids from Friday afternoon. And then Luke brought them to church on Sunday so that I could sleep. And I came to church to pick them up, but I was like, hadn't seen them. And I really missed them. Like, you know, there's times where it's a long day and I'm like, I'm glad it's bedtime. But if I don't see them for a day, I'm like, oh, where's my children? And so um, I like just deeply like long to be with them. And I walked up to my three-year-old's classroom and there's one door where there's like a little window in the door and you can see both ways. So I'm just like staring at him and he's just kind of like, you know, not, he doesn't see me. He doesn't see me staring at him, but I'm like watching him. And my heart is just like feeling like I need to be with him. Like I miss him and I'm just watching him. And he's like, you know, asking a teacher for help or whatever. And she comes over to help him. And I'm like looking like, I want to help him. I want to hold him. And I like, I'm staring in this window and I start to cry because I like, I know he's just on the other side of the door, but I wanted so badly to be with him. And so I try to like wipe my tears and look inconspicuous. And I, I, oh no, actually, then he sees me. He looks up and he sees me. And then he starts to almost cry too. And he starts to reach out to me because he realizes I'm like behind the door and he can't reach me. And so I rushed to the door. I rushed into the room. I got down at his level and I just put my arms out and he just ran into my arms and he just melted onto my shoulder. And we just embraced for like, I don't know, it felt like a whole two minutes. I don't want to exaggerate and feel like it was an hour, but it was just such it a- It felt like three days. <laughs> Made up for the time, that's for sure. And I just felt like in that moment, the Lord was showing me how deeply, you know, sometimes we have the wrong idea of the Lord that like we have to do all this to get to him or we have to live perfectly so that he'll love us. And like the reality is he's watching with this desire that's so much deeper than something we can understand to be near to us. And I was pondering on that all week. And I was just thinking about how he like the way he can just see me when I'm right here just doing life and how his his longing to be with me is so deep. But then I was in worship one day that week and the Lord was like, yeah, but remember when he looked at you, you rushed in, you didn't stay behind the door. And that's what I do. When you look to me, I rush in like my presence comes when you invite me. I'm there. I'm so desperate to be with you that I will do whatever it takes. And he did do whatever it takes to be with us. And so it's just this beautiful thing that he just invites us into. And all we have to do is look at him and say, I want you. And he's like, I'm here. Anyway, that, that's what love is to me. <laughs> oh, that's all. <laughs> wow. Um, I I, I want to just confirm that I did find the scripture. Uh, <laughs> it's James four. Um, it's James four nine. But I'm gonna read just this, just for the sake of having the scripture read from seven to ten. It said, "Submit yourselves then to God." Resist the devil and he will flee. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, uh, and purify your hearts. 
you double-minded, double ooh, um, <laughs> grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. It's not like humble yourself so he can kick you when you're down. You know, he's like, no, <laughs> when you do this, it sounds crazy, but I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to go in and swoop in and open that door and hold you for three and a half days. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's just beautiful, man. Like, it's just beautiful. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to share when you think of a legacy of love. Like, I know it's undoubtedly going to be lived through your beautiful voice, but beyond that, you have so much influence in the different people, whatever it is. What is a legacy of love that you want to leave? That's such a great question. You know, I really believe that our lives are just supposed to look like Jesus and point to him. And so if people feel any in any way pointed towards Jesus, I feel like that's, that's what that is. And like, like we've said, and like you've both really said, being humble is, is not just like, like what you just said. It's not just that he wants to kick you when you're down, but being humble is that you're looking more like him because he was humble. And he says, come to me when you're weary and heavy laden. He says, I am lowly. I, he says, I'm lowly. The Bible says love isn't proud. And so when we look like that, that is a ripple that affects generations. That mm -hmm. is the thing that turns hearts to the father. It's the kindness and it's the love that gets lower and lower and is willing to, you know, even, even to the, I know it's, I know it's so anti-cultural, but even across the boundaries of our own safety, and I don't mean physically, but I mean, across the boundaries of like, I have a wall of, of, over my heart so people can't hurt me, but crossing that wall and saying, I'm going to love like Jesus, he laid his life down and he wasn't willing to let you die. And like, just stepping out and looking like that, I think, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what I would want a legacy to look like. totally answers the question um i'm just like it's a lot that'll say something <laughs> no but uh i it's just hard because i know god's speaking to me on some personal things and i'm like just taking it all in because i'm like i don't need to share this with the whole podcast this is for me <laughs> um but yeah it reminds me of another friend of ours evelyn she was on um and that was something that was powerful for her. It's like looking like, it's like love is, is looking like Jesus. And um, I will say this, uh, it's very clear that um, that's what you're doing, friend. You are truly doing that for so many. And no matter where the Lord takes you, um, it is clear that Jesus will be remembered, you know, in their interactions because you point people back to the Lord. And despite whatever flaws we have, whatever moments of attitude and like <laughs> cluelessness, or if they catch you at a moment where you're crying at a door, staring at your child like a weirdo. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not a weirdo. It's not a weirdo at all. <laughs> I just imagine somebody from the outside be like, dude, she lives with that kid. Why is she like, <laughs> like 
you live with him. Like you see him daily. I know the childcare workers were like, "Do you want to come in?" I was like, "Yes." <laughs> God's just touching my heart. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I don't at all think it's weird. <laughs> but but even if people were to perceive that as weird, you know, like man, like the love of Jesus still is shining through all of that. And I think that's like that's like the peace that I'm feeling. Like you know, it's not about us being perfect in how we navigate this world, you know, like, or planning it out and, and structuring it in a way that's going to be like this way. Like it's, it's the Lord. Um, and Veto, I, I would know we have other things, but I would love to hear your final thoughts even before we give any announcements or anything else. Yeah. Um, I was reading in Joel this morning and um, super short book. So it's not like Isaiah. Uh, but, um <laughs> It was, it was in chapter two where it's talking about like the Lord wants us to, to tear our hearts and on our clothing. Right. And like, like kind of the same idea of like humbling ourselves before him. And I, what I loved, and it's something that I feel like the Lord has really like embedded in me or like etched in who I know that he is. Um, but at the end, I think it's verse 13. It's in the new living translation. Um, it says that he is eager to relent. And that is like the father I've gotten to know, you know, and it's like, man, and, and that's like, like you were saying, like, he doesn't wait. He's not like waiting on the other side of the door. Like, you didn't wait for your son to like come and open the door, like you bursted through, right. And it's like, that's the Lord. And he reminds me, like, oftentimes of like, the prodigal son, where like, the father didn't just wait for him, like seeing him far off and wait for him to get to him. He ran to him with arms wide open. And the Lord just constantly shows me like, that's who I am, you know? And it's like, man, Lord, if so many more people would capture that, that's who you are. And I think that's what he was speaking to me this morning was like, that's who I want people to know. And unfortunately, so many people have gotten it like off, you know, like so many people who refuse to want to know the Lord or even like have experienced church hurt or whatnot. Like there's this idea that he's just judging us all the time and just like on his holy throne, like, hmm, yeah. But he's like, no, like I'm at the door waiting for you to just say, I need you. And like you said, like he rushes in and it's so beautiful to know, like, that is the God that we get to serve. Like that is the God Amen. that does. It's just he's just eager to relent. And that I think that was like, it's just ministering to me this morning. And so to like have this conversation, it just reminded me of that. Like our father is eager to be with us. That's so good. And man, I don't even know what we'll title this message, but it's good. <laughs> um, and so Kayla, I just want to say thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your insight, your um, transparency and people can find you at Kayla Denae on Instagram. You are open for booking for weddings. Go to Kayla photography.com. We'll link everything in the bio or in our, our caption. And um, yeah, we want to just honor you, honor you. And we thank you for being here. And we pray that many more blessings come your way. Um, I know I'm encouraged by this conversation. Um, Veto. So we have, um, Elia's Run Walk LA coming on June 24th. Sign up. You want to be a part of it. We have We See You Kitchen every Saturday and a, a number of other things. You can go to our website. It's all updated and follow us on Instagram. But Veto, any other final thoughts? Yeah. Um, 
just remember until we arise, what won't change in our lives, in our families, in our communities, and in the world. Until we arrive. Until we arrive. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you so much.